Welcome to Drinks with Friends, the series that interviews incredible everyday people who are making the world a better place. So grab yourself a drink, get comfy, and be ready to be inspired. Cheers to that. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Drinks with Friends. I have an amazing guest with us today, Gemma, Gemma Sharp. And I have to apologize in advance. My voice is going to crack. I've been very, very sick the last few weeks, and today is probably the first time I've actually had a voice in order to speak, but I could not reschedule because me and Gemma have been trying to do this podcast for a while, and I needed to her to come on because she's just an incredible individual that's just leading the way for mental wellness and success through the power of emotional intelligence. So Gemma is a professional with a diverse role background. She's a wife, she's a mother of two amazing children, emotional intelligence expert, speaker, CEO of Hummingbird Life Academy. And over the past few years, she has dedicated her time and research and in coaching parents, children and teens on recognizing and effectively managing anxiety and emotions, which and enhancing emotional intelligence in the family environment, which I think is incredibly so, so important. I think, to be honest, I did recently just did a, a, a little training on emotional intelligence um, in my Mindset Mondays podcast series, and I just, for me, emotional intelligence should be taught in schools. Do, do you agree, Gemma? Absolutely. Um, thank you, Amy, for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. And yet we've been trying to get this done for a little while, haven't we? But yeah. I'm so glad that you're feeling a bit better and we can do this. And of course, with the time zone difference, it's always a bit yes. tricky. So thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Um, yes, emotional intelligence is so key um, to, to everything. And I really think that in today's society, we don't tend to focus on that so much of our focus is on iq you know as soon as we put our kids in schools it's teaching them to learn to read and write and to get good grades and although that is important um for their future life in actual fact laying that foundation of really strong emotional intelligence is actually going to help them increase their iq and be able to do better in school Um, and without that they're really going to struggle and we see that so much. Um, so I really think emotional intelligence to me is the foundation for everybody in which to lead a, a more fulfilled and happy life, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And emotional intelligence is something that I was taught at university and and definitely in the corporate space in, in, my, in my law enforcement day job. But I honestly believe that it is the foundation of anything because it allows you to build the know how to interact with people how to build resilience and how to learn how to cope with anxiety or or the pressures of life and unfortunately we're seeing in society now with even more with social media and all that kind of stuff teenagers or kids um, are getting bombarded with information leading to increased anxiety you, you yourself, um, I know we talk personally about having anxiety and, and those sorts of things, but this is a big passion of yours, isn't it? 
It is, it really is. And yes, I have, um, although I work on it so much and I am brilliant at masking, just like my daughter. Um, so you, you people wouldn't know that I have a lot of social anxiety and yet I, I so do. Walking into a room with people I don't know, going anywhere into new experiences, I have a lot of anxiety over that. And because I masked it so much for so long, um, it becomes your new way. That that's that's what you do. You put this sort of mask on and you go out and and when I know started to notice um, my daughter doing the same thing, although her behaviours at home were so massive, and then she would put her mask on when she went to school or outside of the home, and people would say it was like two different children. And when we were going to the school and saying. We've, we've got these behaviours at home and we're not too sure what to, what to do. And to be honest, I knew from very early on that there was something slightly different to the way she was with my, because I have a son as well. And yeah. everyone we went to said, no, 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 she, we, we've assessed her, we've looked at her, no, absolutely fine. And they weren't seeing what was going on inside the home. And yeah. what, what we found was that um, there were so many physical symptoms coming out. Um, that she had stomach ache all the time, headaches all the time. Um, and so we took her to paediatricians and we spent a good six months with different doctors trying to find out what was wrong. And they all came back and said, there's, there's nothing. We, we can't find anything. And what we then realised was it was anxiety. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Then I started to delve into it more and understand more about anxiety and thought, gee, that's exactly me. And yet I'd been pushing it down for so long and I just thought it was normal. I, I thought that's the way I was um, and that, you know, everybody was the same. And, and yet when we don't, when we don't, take a good look at ourselves and start to realize that we can do things to help ourselves it actually it makes us sick you know we store our emotions in our body the anxiety we've got cortisol running through us all the time there's all this all this stuff going on inside our body that actually makes us really unwell and yet i just thought it was normal so understanding that and now being more aware of things it's and, and i love that i'm able to teach others that might be thinking the same thing like what's what's going on with my child or um or with me um and actually going okay it's there's absolutely things we can do and increasing our um resilience our ability to deal with things and then working that muscle of emotional intelligence affects every single area of our lives our professional yeah you know, relationships, how we feel about ourselves. It's it's so much, um, there's so much good there when we can actually look inside ourselves, but we have to take the time and make the time and the effort to do it because it's it's not it's not a really easy thing to do, but when you start on that journey, it's amazing. You know, the transformation that you can make is is literally amazing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's something that um, I personally am going through myself, like, I knew as like I'm not I'm not new to this area. Like I studied psychology at uni and criminology and all those sorts of that and forensic psychology at uni. And then um, but then also having a a rare condition meant that as a child I was exposed to a lot of the medical world and, and I had the similar experience. My poor parents, they didn't know, they were told for many, many, many years that we don't know what's wrong. We know there's nothing wrong with her, but we don't know what's wrong with her. Um, yes, I have a, 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 an actual condition, but 
then that they never ever saw the mental side. And unfortunately, doctors they they are becoming better at the emotional side and the and mental side of things, but they are only trained in what they they are trained in. And unfortunately, unless you get a really good uh, doctor that kind of has both um, the medical side and also mental side and sometimes even the natural side that's when you're going to get the whole shebang but i totally agree i recently a couple of years ago i was really in a very very bad mental place and i knew that but i couldn't physically get myself out or i didn't want to at the time now i do and i'm working extremely hard to overcome so much trauma and stuff like that the emotional intelligence that I've had to go through is incredible. And the stuff that I've learned is so much on how how I react. So now I know, especially with social situations and stuff like that, I know how I'm going to react. So then I know how to put measures in place or an emotional support plan in place so I don't have an overreaction and don't have my body going into stress mode or anxiety mode and stuff like that too. Yeah, I totally understand it. I'm just such an incredible, incredible thing to especially kids. Exactly. Yeah. And and what you say so perfect there that starting to be more aware of it now starting to see your triggers to see yeah. what when yeah. things are coming up it, that is so important and i think a lot of people think oh emotional intelligence is this new thing in actual fact no. okay around the 1990s is when it became quite well known when when um uh peter salvoy and john mayer i think his name was they mm -hmm. started to talk about emotional intelligence but in actual yeah. fact aristotle <laughs> back in yeah. um 350 bc um he was the one that said knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom and he talked oh, a lot yeah. about emotional intelligence and it's been around for forever and yet we 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 don't look at it we and we you know they think oh a lot of people think oh it's that's a new age sort of thing it, it's really not but when we actually start to notice things in ourselves and this is what i find so fascinating so when you start to do the work on yourself and be more aware and just noticing things that come up noticing your reactions like you said noticing your triggers and um, noticing how your body feels when you start to become really in tune with that, uh, what I love to, to do is when you then react with other people, you can actually start to see their triggers and yeah. their different levels of emotional intelligence. And I find that so interesting, the way people mm -hmm. react. And I go, ooh, that, that touched a nerve. I wonder what's going on there. You start to become, <laughs> you know, yeah, hyper aware of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. But it it is so important i think in order to live a balanced life in order for us to have good mental health it yeah. is absolutely key and you know we go through life typically ignoring our emotions ignoring how we feel push it down distract busy busy especially as as, um, as women, I think we, we get very yeah. busy on, okay, this is coming up, but I don't wanna, I don't wanna think about that. So I'm going to delve into this and, and quickly yeah. you know, go and clean the bathroom or, or do whatever it is. That was so me. 
um, or you have the negative thoughts, the negative ruminating thoughts. Why can't I do this? Why is everybody else able to cope? You know, why is it happening to me? Or you have the external influences that we use to numb the emotions, alcohol, yes. food, shopping, drugs, whatever it might be. And mm -hmm. there are coping mechanisms that when we do them over and over again, it wears us down even more. Yeah. And if we actually just tried to flip things a bit and just become more self-aware, understand what's going on with our body a bit more, noticing, like you said, oh, I've got this feeling in this situation. I wonder what that, why that is. Um, just sort of being so much more curious rather than judgmental about ourselves. Yeah. It literally yeah. changes everything. It, it can change everything with regards to how we feel about ourselves, how we react in situations, and building that muscle means that the, the stronger our emotional intelligence is, the more able we are to cope with all sorts of things. You know, I mean, the pandemic was was one of them. Yeah. You, you know, I, I didn't have strong emotional intelligence over that one, I have to say, and that totally threw me for a while there, homeschooling and all the rest of it. Um, and now I think actually if we went into that again because of the work I've done so far and so much more over the past sort of two to three years, I think I'd be able to cope with that a lot better. And it is, it's yeah. that resilience. It's building that resilience. It's, it's so important. Yeah, and resilience is something people, sometimes people, um, it's not over, they think they're quite resilient, but all they're really doing is just pushing it down. So I'm resilient because I can get through it. But no, what you're doing is, all you're doing is putting it in a neat little box, storing yeah. it right down. And yes. unfortunately, it comes out in the wash. It always comes out in the wash. And that's something I always internalise everything um, and keep everything stored down, never show my emotions. Yes, it does have something to do with my job. Like we have to be very um, in check with our emotions um, because of what we're dealing with. But yeah. it does come out in physical form. And this is, um, there's a new term coming out now that's called shadow work and there's all these amazing things that neuroscientists are connecting our thoughts and, and our stored emotions and all that sort of stuff and how those physical symptoms are coming out. And then linking with definitely threat, like stress is the, the biggest, to be honest, stress is probably the number one killer in the world. It's just not documented because it's not, it's the start, it's not the end. And the end is always going to be, unfortunately, a chronic illness, cancer or an addiction or something like that. So, yeah, yeah emotional yeah. intelligence is kind of like it's, it's the, um, the foundation or the umbrella for all the other little things like limiting beliefs, negative self-talk, which I know so much about. I'm a recovering <laughs> self-hater self and I know. <laughs> Yeah, and I've got a, I'm making a T-shirt for it because I think people really need to wear that badge as wear it, wear it with honour and go, you know what, I recognise that I was being so toxic to myself, but mm. I've recognised and now I'm working on it and I'm being kind to myself and it's changing my life. So I should wear this with pride, to wear that I'm, you know, I'm recovering self hater with pride. And I, I'm trying to make... That's my next mission is to try and make mental illness not a taboo or anything like that. It's just part of life. Every single person, and I'm pretty sure the stats are nearly, nearly 
one to, one out of two. It's very close to one out of three. What a person by the time they reach um, thirty, they will experience some sort of mental health, and it doesn't have to last for very long periods of time. Unfortunately, some people don't um, get out of that mental health. Sometimes it's um, it's only a short period, and that's very very good. But every single person either has it, has dealt with it, or has been around it. So it's, it shouldn't be a very subject. It should be something that people should talk about more often and recognise and teach in school, teach that it's okay yes. to upset, it's okay to have feelings, it's okay to share and all that kind of stuff because I think we're both, you know, we're both Aussie girls who now live in England, but in Australia it's kind of like that. We're, you know, we're tough, we're a tough breed. And especially yeah. with men in Australia, it's kind of like, um, don't, don't, you know, we don't talk about feelings and stuff. But now that's coming um, out more and um, my husband's a tradesman or trainee and there's a wonderful company um, called Trademark and they they lost a friend to suicide and so they develop shirts, work shirts that are start conversations. They're kind of like really fun, kind of out there shirts that still abide by the um, health and safety rules, but they, they do that and they do lots of programs for mental health. It's like starting the conversation. The shirts are brilliant. I love them. My husband, that's all he wears. Um, and I wear the T-shirts and stuff. I think they're fantastic. But there's all these different things coming out and I think it's just brilliant that we're starting to recognise that mental health is part of everyday life. Emotional intelligence is the way forward in order to reduce the amount of how mental health affects people. But um, you started like you were teaching it as in your amazing hummingbird life academy, but you've been recently changing that into going into corporate and demonstrating the need for it in corporate life. You want to talk a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah, um, and, and I just want to say I love that T-shirt idea and I love that they're getting the blokes to wear those i mean it's so important and yeah um, i'd love the link by the way i want to check them out <laughs> yeah brilliant um we should all start making our own t-shirts with something on the on the front um yeah. yeah so i i so my background the reason why i got into this was because as i said my my daughter was displaying a lot of different um behaviors that i didn't realize was anxiety um, and then we actually had her um, referred to um, CAMS, the um, the people that look at ADHD, um, autism, that sort of thing. And she yeah. is she's she's neurodivergent. She has um, ADHD and um, ASD as well, which is um, aut autism spectrum disorder. And um, I started to do a lot more research around that. As you can see, all of my books, I'm continually reading. Actually, I don't read. I, I audio. I listen to everything on yeah. double speed. I think I'm potentially ADHD as well. But um, So everything has to be a bit speeded up for me. But um, when I started to do a lot of research on different things, I I thought my friend actually said to me, you're doing so well with, with your daughter at the moment. Why don't you teach other parents? And I was like, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know I can do that. Anyway, I started a Facebook group called the Hummingbird Parenting Lounge 
where I go live every week and I talk about different things with regards to parenting and highly sensitive, strong-willed um, and neurodivergent children and neurotypical um, as well. And, uh, and then I developed a program for children called Mind Wizards. And it's for the children, but I but the parents have to come along. And in fact, the, the feedback I get from the parents is, I didn't realise just how much work I had to do on myself. So much of the time when we see our kids displaying behaviours, certain behaviours, yeah. we go, what is wrong with them? How can I help them or change them? When in actual fact, when we work on ourselves as parents first, I tell you, the whole dynamic changes. When you can control your emotions, when you can understand what's triggering you, then you can help your children so much more. So I developed this program and um, it's online and I do it in person and via Zooms as well. And one of the parents that came on the course said, do you know what? I, I think we need this in my company. I think the people I work with need to learn more about emotional intelligence. Yeah. And then another parent said, oh, we'd have it in our company as well. And then I started to think, okay, well, actually, we all need it. And I think we're all of a certain generation that we're starting to realise that it is really important to understand ourselves. And we're slowly getting there. My parents, you know, you were allowed to be as happy as you like. You can be happy and laughing, but not too loud. But, you know, if you were angry, oh, no, that was not allowed in our house. And I was very much told to shut that down. You you shut down your tears. You shut down your anger. You shut down your sadness. We're not having that here. And then you become this, this people pleaser, this, yeah. this person that shuts everything down, tries to keep it all okay. And that is what I turned into was this, oh, just make sure everybody's all right, you know. And then I think we're slowly starting to get through the generations now that we need to start changing. We need to start changing things. But when you go into the workplace, the workplace is a place where we have been told or taught or there's this sense of feeling that emotions have no place in the workplace. It's logic. It's get down and do your work. Probably. We don't have emotional people in here, you know, it, and it really it really stifles businesses because yeah. we've got this underlying anger, um, um, anxiety, all sorts going on, but you can't show it. You, you can't be, and if you do, you're labelled the, <laughs> probably like me, the crazy one or the emotional one or do you know what I mean? And then, yeah, there's this sort of stigma. And so what I've been doing is creating courses for corporates where I do webinars or if they're local, I'll, I'll go in. And we talk about how our um, thoughts, you know, affect our emotions, which affect our actions and how when we can actually start to be able to be masters of our mind, uh, really master our thoughts it's going to help our emotions and then we're going to be able to be more logical. We are going to be more um, calm. But when we just say you're not allowed to do that here, then that's when it, it still keeps happening and, and it, it, it escalates within companies where there is so much discord and, you know, especially with the older generation, I had a boss who was severely... <laughs> um, unemotionally intelligent and I would really try and say to him you know I need feedback I want I want to to have this connection with you 
And he was just like, no, just do this, just do that. There was minimal feedback. There was no no emotional connection there at all. And when you are, um, we're all emotional beings and you yes. need that. You need to be able to um, be more emotionally intelligent of yourself, which means that then you can be more emotionally intelligent for your staff or for your, um, your work colleagues. Because yeah. when you can manage your own emotions, when you understand what's going on inside of you, it, it, it increases that empathy. It increases that um, self-regulation so that you're able to then help regulate someone else um, yes. and give give to them more emotionally as well. It's, it's so encompassing. And I'm seeing this so much in corporates at the moment um, that, you know, everybody is very much into the, the well-being within the workplace, um, yes. meditation and things like that. And I, and I, I love all of that. But I do think that emotional intelligence is the foundation for everything. So in actual fact, just teaching people how to breathe, which we all do anyway, but do you know what I mean? It's great. Don't get me wrong. And I like all of that. I'm not saying anything against that. But what I'm saying is there is a deeper level we need to start at. We need to yeah. start going down the, the ladder a little bit more in order to be able to get to the ladder, the top of the ladder a lot quicker. Um, so building that foundation is is so important, and that's why I, I love that it, it works in all different situations. Um, yes. And I've recently just done um, some webinars for um, a large company over here that have started a parenting um, group within their employees because we all know if you've got children and things are not going well at home, you go into work, you're stressed, you're upset yeah. about the kids, you've got all of this going on. It is going to affect the way you interact with people, your performance, the way you do things at work. And yeah. I love that a lot of companies now are starting to look at the whole the whole picture and saying, okay, yeah. how can we help our parents? Because when we can help them as well, they're going to behave or, or perform better at work. Mm -hmm. We're going to have smoother transitions or whatever it is when we can help on all different levels. So I, I love that it, it is expanding, it's slow, but hopefully it's going to, to expand more. And I love that we can go into corporates now and do that sort of work. Yeah, I think it's 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 vitally important because you're right, when it doesn't matter whether you're a parent or anything, if you're outside of work, you're in work, depending, depending on what type of job you're in, but most of the time, if you're full-time, you're gonna be at least eight hours of your day. Eight hours of your day, eight to 12 hours of your day is going to be doing work. And if you are in an office that's toxic, I've been there, been there. Yeah, yeah. How, and when you're in when the job that I was particularly in, not only was my environment toxic, I was... Sorry, Amy. Toxic I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. Is that better? I, I can't hear you. I can hear you. Can you, you. hear me? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, your sound has gone off for me. Um, hang on. <laughs> Got a lot of technology, please. Okay, hang on. Right, try again. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're, I don't know where you're coming through, but you're coming through quite faint. It's okay, I can hear you now. I just have to listen really carefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got a lot of technology. Always great. <laughs> sorry um no, no no you're right so basically like i was uh, for a very long period of time um you know i 
I've worked in law enforcement, in a particular unit where I was exposed to the most horrific things imaginable. So not only was I being exposed to that, but then my environment was severely toxic. So it just made everyone in there not wanting to be there. People didn't want to work. Others had to work harder because others didn't want to work. People got, like, it was just horrible, horrible, horrible. Now I'm in an, a different area. I'm still exposed to quite horrific things, but my environment is so much better. We're, we're very calm. We're very um, collective. Yeah, we, we connect as a, as a team and we do practice like emotional intelligence. And you're right. And it goes, it goes to the such basic level of energy. And mm. if people don't believe in energy, that's fine. But if you are stressed out and got negative thoughts going around in your head, your how you're going to react or how you're going to act is going to be negatively. So guess what? That is contagious. So you, you walk into an office and someone is really in a bad mood very shortly the whole office is going to be in a bad mood and it's the same for the home environment it's the same with anything it goes the other way as well if you walk in quite positively and the positivity is also contagious but it goes back to that basic level and then if you go from energy you go to limiting beliefs negative self-talk then they're yes. together and the I had a wonderful conversation with um an incredible lady the other week and um she's been through basically hell and back and she's sharing her she shared her story in order to help others and all that kind of stuff and that's eventually what I'll be doing but she was talking about how limiting beliefs literally shape how you react and it was just a, an example that she gave was um, that the family were about to, you know, the family were in the kitchen, um, all the generations were there, and the the wife's about to cut the end off the roast to put it in the oven. And then her daughter's gone, why do you do that, Mum? And she's like, oh, because Mum did it. And then they turn to Mum and, the, you know, grandmother and say, well, why did you do it? Oh, because my Mum did it. Because my Mum did it. And it goes back until great-grandmother said well it's because my other was uh, ovens were so short so we had to cut it off it wouldn't fit and it's like light bulb it's like okay, <laughs> yeah it's it's a really odd example but it's kind of like okay if you actually think about your limiting beliefs and i i wrote a program about this i did release it but i'm so i'm gonna retweak it but one of the main one, the first subject was identifying your limiting beliefs. And it's so when you do that work and you go, oh, okay, that's the reason why I think that way. Then you go, okay, well, why do I think that way? And you find out why. You do your little, put your little detective hat on and do a yeah. little digging or excavating or whatever you want to call it. And you go, oh, well, that's not true. Or that's doesn't apply anymore or, or whatever. And then it actually, you kind of break free from it and then you go, then oh. and then you keep working on them and you break free from each single limiting belief and then eventually you're free and your mind is uncontrolled and unjudged and all this sort of stuff. And yeah. it's free for you to try new things, do new things, grow 
and have a growth mindset instead of a closed off mindset, which I'm unfortunately a lot of people have. And your life literally transforms, which you've just said, and I'm, I'm a testament to that. I'm in a massive transformational journey myself. And yeah. it's just, it, it, is, it is incredible. And it's incredible to watch people realize, they go, oh, that's why I think that way. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. why I'm so full of money because of blah, blah, blah. Oh, this is yeah. why I. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. meeting new people or anything like that it's just it's absolutely incredible so that's yeah. why i believe it should be taught in schools because i think if we get their minds up because children depending on who which psychology you, you want to ask most people will say that your limiting beliefs are, are formed by the age of seven i don't believe that i think it's an ongoing process but foundation of them by seven two you think about it seven year old already knows starts having all these judgmental things always have these limiting beliefs all this kind of stuff we could teach them from age five when they first start school going this is what this is this is what this means and all that kind of stuff imagine how well they'll be how able to cope with stress how able they'll be able to succeed when things don't go their way Tantrums probably would be reduced a bit. Like all these amazing things that probably wouldn't have low self-esteem, which leads into a whole issue of, of things that it's just, yeah. I, it, it is. I, I totally agree. Yeah. And I was I was doing some work with, um, with um, a lady and she said, what I love to do is when I see people getting upset and and being triggered and she said especially on television when you see politicians and all the rest of it she said I can then imagine um because you know they they say that so much occurs around the age of seven I mean I I honestly there is so much around the age of seven um you know they say that's when you know like you said 85 percent of our beliefs are formed um which obviously can be changed, but there is that sort of foundation there. But then this is where we start to see, I start to see a lot of parents turning around and saying that all of a sudden my child is really angry or or yeah. I see it all the time that around this age of seven, this is when all these different behaviours start to come out. Now, mm. I haven't been able to have this, um, I, I've spoken to a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists about it and I've said, well, you know, the, the prefrontal cortex, our logic, our reason, and, um, you know, how we deal with our emotions, that part yeah. of the brain starts to fire up at age seven. Is yes. there a correlation between the brain switching from being in the emotional centre of the brain, the amygdala, to the prefrontal cortex starting up? And they said, oh, we, we can't make the definite um, uh, diagnosis or whatever you want to say, that that is what happens. But there there's so much going on within the body at the age of seven that it all sort of comes to that age and yeah. when I was working with this woman she said I love watching people and thinking everybody who is angry who is stamping their feet who is getting really annoyed at in adults that's actually the seven-year-old coming out because back then they didn't get what they needed yeah. And so what did you need in that moment that you didn't get that is now triggering you in this moment that mm. you're you're being upset about things? And I was like, that is so interesting because yeah. when I look at myself with the kids and when they don't listen to me and I'm 
you know, you say, can you do this, do this, do this? And, and the kids just don't listen. And it really triggers me. I get really annoyed. And if, if people aren't listening to me, if I'm talking or, or I'm asking, whether it be my husband, whether it be the kids, it really triggers something inside of me. And when I started to do that investigation, when I started to sort of peel back that layers of the onion and go, why, why do I feel like this? Um, okay, when I, when I feel like this, I feel anxious, I feel annoyed, I feel unseen and unheard, like I'm not really there, no one's listening. Okay, yeah. when did I last feel like that? Or what was your earliest, earliest memory of that? And you're peeling back these layers of the onion. And I got back to, um, I, I can't say it was seven, but I got back to an early age when I was a child and I felt that my parents didn't listen to me when I was saying things that I was shut down. And that is that is the trigger that all these yeah. different layers that we put on ourselves, and then as adults we're triggered by all this stuff. When but when you can actually start pulling back those layers, like you said, getting to the root cause, I go, ah, oh, okay. What did I need from my parents in that moment? How can I give that to myself now and say it's okay? You're validated. You're seen. You know, so that I can release that. I'm going to say it's trauma, but release those triggers that yeah. are actually affecting me in my relationship with my kids and with my husband and, and whoever else isn't this listening to me at the time. But do you know what I mean? It's that whole, it's so many different things. Um, and I actually, I am, this, this course I'm doing at the moment, this guy gave a great story. And I, I if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just, quickly. Um, I don't know where it was. I assume it was in Asia somewhere. It was hundreds of years ago. And the they this particular country was being invaded and they had this very big statue of um this um I think it was a I don't think it was a, a Buddha, but it was it was the one that's very um well known with with the with the sort of bobbly hat and pointing and they're sat there like this beautiful statue. And it was covered in concrete and it was extremely heavy. And when the, the the um, invaders were coming, the, um, they looted, they smashed all of the holy temples, <clears throat> they looted everything, excuse me, <clears throat> and um, they, they, you know, desecrated this place. Sorry. Yeah. And they left this statue because it looked <clears throat> old and worn and, and horrible and it was very heavy. And it stayed there for... 200 years and then they decided to move it and as they decided to move it some of the concrete came away and actually underneath was it was a solid gold statue wow. and what had happened was they had got wind that the, the 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 monks or the the whoever it was there had got wind that they were going to be invaded so they had covered this statue in concrete or, or mud and all sorts of things so that they wouldn't know that it was gold and it stayed like that for 200 years and the analogy that they used was that that is like us you know when we are born when we are in our pure soul essence we are beautiful we are like solid gold we we have all these wonderful qualities and then as life comes at us we stick mud and crap and you know all sorts onto us yeah and cover ourselves up because we don't want to shine too brightly in front of other people or or we're a bit embarrassed about ourselves whatever it might be yeah. and pile all of this stuff on 
And in actual fact, when we can get to a stage in our life where we go, right, do you know what? Actually, I need to start chipping away at that concrete, that facade, those masks, those that negative thoughts, the limiting beliefs, everything that is covering at the moment. I need to chip away at that in order to get back to my true essence of myself. Mm. And that is such an amazing thing to do. And I just love that analogy that when you start to do this work, that you can actually start to chip away and start to see some of these bright lights shine through. And guaranteed when you do that, there are going to be some people that don't like it. There are going to be some people that suddenly go, whoa, hang on a minute, you're changing. What, you know, I've lost friends over this. But I saw a brilliant, um, you know, TikTok, the source of all information these days, um, the other day that, that they said, Really, the we the reason why um, people start to go, hang on a minute, y- y- what are you doing? You're changing, and therefore it changes the dynamic. And sometimes friendships end, is yeah. because they love you the way you are. Yeah, and they like you the way you are. You're in that box. You're you're in that area, and when you start to change, you are taking away that person that they knew. Yeah. And that is why. So <clears throat> rather than being upset about that, because I was after a 17-year friendship with a friend, she turned around and said, I don't want to be your friend anymore. You're changing. And she wow. didn't like what I was changing into. And that was really difficult for me to, it's taken me years to, to process that and get through that. But in actual fact, all I'm doing is she saw the outside of the statue with the concrete and all of that, and that's what she was comfortable with. And now yeah. that I'm starting to chip away at that and I'm starting to to be the real me, that wasn't for her. And maybe that made her question what she was doing. I don't know. But there are going to be times when we start to do this work where we are going to change. And if you're not changing, you're dying. You know, you, you're, you're that's it. You're not growing. Growth is, is, is so important. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just thought I'd share that because I, I it really had an impact on me, that visualisation of, of this statue being covered in all this mud and and that's what we do to ourselves and we let oh, others yeah. come along and stick some <laughs> stick some mud on yeah. us as well. no 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 I totally totally agree I had a similar analogy put to me and it was that um and people may or may not believe in this and that's fine but this is what I believe I engaged with a spiritual guide and she said to me that my life path has been so much people have put so much rubbish in it and I've put so much rubbish in it and I need to clear it in order to to be my true self mm-hmm. and I, she told me things what I had to do in order to do that and one of them was hypnotherapy and hypnotherapy is basically doing that subconscious work to really get those layers out because unfortunately our conscious mind or our self-talk or all that kind of stuff is going to block, no, it's going to Subconscious is going to block your conscious mind from learning things because it's trying to keep you safe in its really sort of twisted way of doing things. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, it, it's very difficult. It is very difficult, but it is so much worth it because I, I've had a few um, hypnotherapy sessions. I think they're brilliant. I think it should be part of all therapies. I've done mm. multiple therapies. I've, and, and that and they got you to a point but they never they 
basically band-aided over things. They healed the wound enough for you to keep going forward, but it didn't actually go to the root cause yeah. and go, okay, this is the reason why you've had an eating disorder or this is the reason why you hate yourself so much, blah, 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 blah. And um, I'm actually due to see her again, but we had a very intense session um, the last time I saw her. And it took me a while to get around mentally, get around afterwards, but we figured out from a very young age that I was told that there was something wrong with me. And, and that was because of my medical condition. And I wasn't diagnosed until, uh, had a diagnosis until 14. So that's a long time. Yes. And it's kind of like, it's no one's fault. It's, it's not about blaming people or anything like that. But now I understand, okay, so basically from a, I can step back from I can put my little psychology hat on and go from a psychology point of view, someone being told as a young child who doesn't understand what that means, they're not saying something's wrong with you. It just means that there's, there's medically there's something different. That's yeah. what they're saying. But all you're hearing as a child, there's something wrong with you, something wrong with you, something wrong with you. Yeah. You're not normal. You're not normal. So that has shaped my entire life up until now. And I'm, now I'm, I'm going to be turning 38 this year. And so realistically, that's a very long time to be technically hating yourself because of a, of a something that happened, we we kind of believe it was like four or five, so before the seven. So that's why I'm so passionate about, and that's why I wanted to bring you on to talk about how emotional intelligence should be taught in schools and what should be taught should be Everywhere. just a basic life school. It should be yes. a subject at primary school or yeah. or kindergarten. To be honest, let's start them real early. Let's start them at home when they start talking and stuff like that. Because it, certain words, if someone said to me, like back then, no, there's nothing wrong with you, you're, you're beautiful, you're amazing, blah, 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 but medically there's something a bit different or something, you know, slightly words change. That could have changed the whole projection. But unfortunately, we're all not trained in neuro-linguistic reprogramming. That's something, it's amazing those, how, how, slight word changes can literally yeah. transform a sentence yeah. of how people react yeah. to it and all that kind of stuff. If you um if you're a person that's very interested in this subject, look up neurolinguistic reprogramming or neurolinguistics and, and stuff like that because it will just blow your mind. And I started going down the rabbit hole of shadow work and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, oh okay, I need to step back because I'm just going so so deep. It's just a few steps at a time. But yeah, I'm. I hypnosis is something that I I was very um, not against, but I'm just like, eh, it sounds a bit, you know, the whole alternative therapies. Yeah. Uh, and then I've gone, and I'm like, you know what, this person, and yeah, she was a spiritual guide, and she said this, but she just said this will change your life, and she said, give it a go, and I'm like, right, I'm willing to give anything a go because something has to change. Yeah. And I did. And me and my lovely hypnosis lady, we're going to write a book. Because <laughs> it's just like, oh. But I can see how, how it could literally transform so many people's lives because I see it in my job. I see mental health every single day at my job. And I see, you know, 
and I see it around me, not only with my colleagues, you know, frontline workers, um, friends, family, all this stuff. And I'm just like, it all goes back down to, to emotional intelligence. And it is, yeah. it is the umbrella of all yeah. of what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. How much change your life and, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's. I think that's so. I, I'm so glad that you shared that. That you know, you were told something as a child, <clears throat> which actually had such a profound impact. Yeah. Because our words have so much power. Mm. The way we speak to ourselves, the way we speak to our children, the way we speak to others, has so much power over us. Um, and yet, when you actually you know the fact that you're you're doing the work that you're actually saying okay i want to be different i want to be better i want to be able to cope with things more i want to improve things taking that first step is so important and mm. um do you mind if i have we got time can i share one more thing yeah, go for it yeah okay. <clears throat> this is a um one of the courses that i did this was a graphic from the course and it it spoke to me so much sorry <clears throat> Let me have another drink. It's funny, I'm the one with the sword. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's because, oh, well, I say it's early morning here. It's 10 o'clock, but um, it's because I, you know, I haven't really spoken too much this morning yet. But um, I hope this doesn't show it backwards. It might do. But anyway, yeah. this I love. So we have a small thing in our brain called the reticulator, reticular activating system, yeah. which is what... Um, it's like the gatekeeper or the air traffic controller of our brain. So it yeah. stops, um, it filters all of the information from our senses in a way that our brain can understand it and then gives us the information that we need because otherwise we know that our brains would explode with if they took in everything that was going on around us. But yeah. I, I, this really, really sort of helped me. So we have the, um, oh, hang on, where am I? Here we go. We have the external event that happens in our life. It's yep. received to our brain at, um, what is it, 2.3 million bits per second. It goes wow. into our brain and our brain then deletes, distorts and generalises it based yep. on our subconscious internal filters. Yep. And they are beliefs, values, um, identity, memories, past decisions, language, mood, location and time. Yep. And then it spits it out at 128 bits per second so that our brain can make sense of it and then our mm -hmm. brain gives it the uh, meaning it influences our behaviors and then our results now yeah. the amazing thing about this is is they say that you shouldn't take anything personally and we should never ever take anything personally that somebody says to us even yeah. if they turned around and um when i was reading this book the four agreements and he said, even if someone was to say, I want to kill you and shoot you, it's not about you. It's about, and no. I was like, what? <laughs> but it yeah. isn't because every single piece of information that comes into our brain is, is filtered by mm. our subconscious. And depending on our beliefs, our values, how we were raised as children, what was said to us, our memories, our past decisions, uh, the events that have happened in our life, our brain filters everything based on that and then we get our reaction so if you if I was to turn around and say something to you and it really hurt and offended you 
it's because of your internal filters. It's because of what it's made you feel like because of past things that have happened to you. It's not necessarily what I said. I've caused that trigger, yes. But most people would never do that intentionally. But it's because of what's going on inside of your brain that is making you react in a certain way. And when I realised that, I was like, oh, my word. I put all this blame on myself. Everything I do, everything is, oh, they looked at me funny. What have I done? Or they said this to me. What, what did I do to make them say that? And in actual fact, we should take nothing personally because everybody's brain is filtering everything based on what has happened to them in their life, how they feel about things, and everybody's experience is different. And it would it also, too, can depend on our time, the location and time of things. So if I was to see you in town and say, hey, Amy, can I borrow a dollar? You'd probably go, yeah, sure, no no worries, and, and give it to me. Yeah. But if I phone you at 2 o'clock in the morning and you answered the phone and I was like, hey, Amy, can I borrow a dollar? You would be like, what? What's wrong with you, woman? What are you doing here? Um, so... Our brain can filter things as, as well differently and we'll feel differently about things based on location, time and mood. So yeah. I, I found that so, what's the word? Um, I've lost the word. but Releasing? Sort of like freeing? Freeing. That was the, that's exactly the word. Freeing that in actual fact, it doesn't mean I can go around being horrible and nasty to people, which <laughs> I wouldn't do anyway, but... My intentions when I interact with people are never to upset them, to never you know, say something that, that upset them in any way. Um, so if I do, it's giving myself a bit of self-compassion to go, I didn't mean to do that. And in actual fact, it's based on their internal subconscious filters. That yeah. and, and when we can start to then reflect that on ourselves and go, okay, someone's just said that to me and that's really upset me. Why has it really upset me? What's going yeah. on in my internal subconscious filters that is triggering me to, you know, to, to feel that way? And also, too, that our RAS, our reticular activating system, will not let us see anything that discounts a core belief. That's oh. And I love that. Isn't that so like, whoa. So if you believe something to your core, your RAS will, will filter out everything so that you don't see it. And yeah. that was amazing. You know, if you have a colleague who's a real, that you feel is a real angry, what's it, you know, really mean and angry and horrible, and you firmly believe that about that person, your RAS will filter out all the times that they're laughing, that they're joking, that they're happy, because it won't discredit your core belief about them. And I was like, wow, our brains are amazing, but they are that's a tricky so-and-so in there that is yeah. that is really sort of having a huge impact on how we relate to everybody and how we feel about ourselves and all of our interactions. Um so that really that really helped me. If you're going to go on this journey of of breaking down those limiting beliefs of really looking at yourself just remember remembering that whatever you do is about you it's not about the other person and to not no. take anything personally and if they do trigger you to actually then go like you say put your detective hat on and go whoa 
that's really triggered me. I wonder why that is. I find it really exciting now to go, yeah. oh, what could that be? What, <laughs> what's happened in my life that's really triggered my response in this moment to be able to understand and work on myself so much more that then is going to enhance the way I am able to interact with other people. So anyway, yeah. I, I just thought that was really interesting. I love learning about the brain and how it, it's amazing, I, but it's, you know, it's also. So I, I, that's what's, hence why I studied criminology I, and, and forensic sociology. Like I wanted to, as a teenager, very early on, wanted to know why people did what they did. And unfortunately, not unfortunately, I specialised in a particular area that a lot of people go, why? <laughs> yeah. But, um, it just, to me, it was just like, why Why would they do such horrific things? And it's learnt, understanding why and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes you, you, sometimes you can't understand. Sometimes there is, there are general, yeah. we can't say evil people out there, but there are generally people that, well, there is no reason they, they enjoy it, yeah. um, but the, you can kind of go back, you know, we could go down the rabbit hole, but we, we're running out of time. And yeah. <laughs> you're so right. I, the, the, little, the little filter in the brain, you can call it the technical term, I like to call it the nasty bitch in my head because um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, negative self-talk and stuff, but it is it's just basically a reflection of that. And I can say from a point someone who was severely bullied um, up until even as an adult, the last person who, who bullied me quite, once I stepped back and started learning all of this, I thought, oh, it has actually nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with her Yeah, that person. I'm sorry, I should have mentioned her. But that person, and it was such a reflection of what was happening inside of them that yes. was coming out. They were just seeing themselves and they were going at themselves. So if you're a person that's currently suffering bullying, um, I hope this kind of gets in a little bit that you realise, hang on, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with that person and they're treating you that way because um, of what's going on inside of them. But also energy attracts like energy and if, you, if, you're, if you're treating yourself internally very negatively, unfortunately, that will attract those sort of people because yeah. it allows those people into your life because you accept that behaviour. That's something we could talk about. Oh, yeah. All day. <laughs> Well done. Oh, we don't have time. So I just wanted to we maybe maybe we'll come you'll come back on and we can talk about that in another yeah, another brilliant. day. Yeah. You have a voice that sounds <laughs> like a swallowed a frog. Um but I just want to thank you so much, Gemma, for coming on and, and sharing just this absolute such important information. And I and is there anything you want to leave the audience with? Anything at all? Just that, um, to me, when we actually start doing the work, when we actually start building our emotional intelligence, when we actually start being more in tune with ourselves, it relieves us of having to be a different person, of having to put that mask on all the time. And it's exhausting. And the older I get, the more exhausting I think it is. And so actually being brave enough to say, do you know what? You don't have to, when we say the work, you know, doing the work on yourself, it probably sounds like, oh my goodness, I'm too tired to do work. But in actual fact, it is just small, small, tiny steps that we can take to build that EQ muscle 
that yeah. is going to give us the strength to be able to be the people that we want to be, to be able to react in a, in a better way, to be able to cope with things so much more and to be able to manage our, our stress and anxiety so much um, better that it's going to literally change the way our life is. It's going to change the energy that we put out. It's going to change the energy that we get back on, yeah. on such a different level. So when we talk about doing the work, it, it sounds like, oh, my goodness. And you and you do have to have the um, – there is work that needs to be done, but mm. it doesn't have to be overwhelming. All it needs no. to be is small, tiny steps that actually lead to – so much more to building that muscle yeah. which is going to help you in in all areas of your life whether it be relationships whether it be your mental health whether it be your physical awareness whether it be um your work relationships with colleagues it, it touches every single part of us so if you know just if you're looking to do that get in contact with amy and 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 find some different ways in order to, to build up your emotional intelligence because I tell you now, when you can model that behaviour, it's not only going to help you but it is going to change your children's lives as well. And we're going yeah. to then start being able to raise the next generation of emotionally strong and intelligent um, kids into adults that means that they're going to be unstoppable. And that is what excites me is that we're yeah. then helping the next generation to change and to make the world a better place to live in. And, you know, heaven help us, we all need that at the moment. Don't yeah. We? <laughs> yeah. It has a, a from little things, big things, grow is a big thing, a big saying of mine. And also um, if you drop a pebble in the ocean or, or still like the ripple effects if, and you're the pebble, it ripple into every, yeah. every aspect of your life. Yeah. Not only will you be happier, you'll have more energy, You'll be healthier because you're not physically drained or exhausted or stressed or anything like that. And that will, and then you'll have more energy to do things that make you happy. And it just ripples into everyone and your behavior, everything changes. It literally transforms your life. So thank you so Absolutely. much, Emily, for coming. No on. worries. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And remember to refill your glass and get your thirst back for life. See you next time. Bye. Hope today's episode has provided you with some valuable information to empower you to take charge of your mindset, health, and well-being. Remember to subscribe, and if you have any questions or feedback, please make a review. Thank you so much for joining me today, and until next time, remember to refill your glass and get your thirst back for life. Bye!